it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. It's a new week. It's Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. This weekend NFL football is not quite over yet as we have another game tonight, the Baltimore Ravens and Dallas Cowboys. Um, podcasting live right now during Creighton in Kansas. I am joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Got some great college basketball happening on right now. And tonight... Got some, the NFL is not even over. It's crazy. This week is it's more football. I love it. So, get ready to uh, break down some of these matchups. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, ben, I don't know about you, man, but this has been about the most up and down betting season I've ever had of NFL. I've had some weeks where it felt like I couldn't win a bet, and I finally had the all coveted undefeated Sunday. How did you end up doing? Yeah, I did. I did pretty good on Sunday. Um, until well, Sunday was good, but yesterday wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, Kept riding with the Steelers, and uh, they they did eventually burn me. Yeah, I was pretty frustrated with myself because I thought Washington football team spread was the right bet, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to get cute with it and tease the Steelers and the Bills just because like, the market was basically all going on San Francisco, so I got a little sketched out. I don't know why. I knew the Bills was the biggest lock ever, but ugh, it is what it is, though. We had such a great Sunday. I'm not even going to be mad about it. I'm excited for night college uh basketball but i mean ben most controversial play you'll probably ever see from a team that hasn't <laughs> won a game yet all season happened on sunday with the jets sending everybody on the blitz i mean what do you think about that were they intentionally trying to tank oh 100 i mean you gotta figure right i mean they they've been in some close games recently and in the fourth quarter they just keep collapsing and they always find a new way to just collapse this is did you see that espn like stat and info like mm-hmm. this situation has happened like 250 something times and this is the only time ever that the defensive play call was to send seven rushers all at the quarterback. And, like, I mean, that's just so mind-blowing. I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, people in late-game situations, you either bring, like, two or three guys and you put everyone back in coverage, or you usually bring an extra man. But an extra man would be bringing five or six guys, not seven and playing everyone in man coverage. And then, you know, the Jets fired their defensive coordinator right after this, so... Yes, it was on purpose. The Jets are terrible. They're trying to be terrible. And give them credit, they're pretty creative in uh, finding new ways to lose. Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head completely. I I think there's no way that wasn't not a tank job. It's actually kind of funny. I was at a bar watching the games on Sunday. Don't do that too often. But this Sunday, I figured, you know, why not switch it up? And you should have seen everyone's reaction when they threw the Hail Mary. It was absolutely absurd. Right after that, me and my roommate got in a little shouting match with some uh, Saints fans. So that was funny, too. But, um, you know, Ben, first thing I got to own right here is how bad my West Virginia prediction was on. I mean, that was my third max bet of the entire college football season. I mean, that game was never even close. Even from 0-0, that was about the only time it was close. So I want to go ahead and apologize to everyone who listened for that, but I made up for it on Sunday. But Ben actually had the most spot-on prediction of the entire uh set weekend and that was with uh Darius Stingley getting absolutely torched by Devonta Smith Ben how happy were you watching that go down I mean as have I mean listen I I said it was gonna be a bloodbath I asked you if you if you had ever seen a massacre before we knew this was gonna happen and Devonta Smith torched Stingley and the LSU secondary the last time they played too so his past two games against LSU has absolutely torched them I mean I get it like I'm not putting all of the blame on Derek Derek Stingley Jr. I mean, you can't – it's really hard to be a lockdown corner like people think he is when you have no pass rush and really no defense in general. But 
he went from being as a true freshman last year. People were calling him the best cornerback in football. McShay had him as the second best college football player in general, and he's not even draft eligible, obviously. And he's done nothing this year. He has one forced fumble. He's got zero interceptions. And he only has five pass deflections. Now, I, that could be maybe teams aren't throwing to him as much, but Alabama had no problem throwing at him. So, I mean, Alabama, they'll go at anyone. No problem with – no one can cover Devontae Smith. But you don't hear a word about Derek Stingley Jr. this year, which is so weird because people had him as one of the best uh, college football players after his freshman year, uh, freshman year last year. So this LSU team is really, really bad. I'm not going to just single single him out. But, yeah, I mean, I knew Devontae Smith would torch this guy. He he will do it every time these guys line up. So nothing new here. Alabama rolled. Yeah, it felt good, Ben, to cash our, uh, our um, Alabama first half, first quarter bets for what seems like about the millionth time this season. I don't think they've let us down yet on one of those. That noise right there is me knocking on wood so they don't let us down moving forward. Um, but, you know, Ben, there's actually some big um, storylines coming out of college football. And we'll start out with the first one is South Carolina finally found themselves a head coach in Shane Beamer, son of a former Virginia Tech head coach, Frank Beamer. You think this is the right guy for the job? So this is interesting because you and I talked about this and it's like South Carolina is just a really interesting destination spot because – and it's not interesting and necessarily in a good way in my opinion. This is – you know, obviously it's, it's, it's in South Carolina. You're going to lose almost all of the big recruits that want to stay in-state because Clemson is also there. So you are in recruiting battles with Clemson. Um, I mean, I guess North Carolina now that Mac Brown's recruiting, but you also South Carolina's recruiting against all the SEC teams, and South Carolina's not this prominent, high class, high powered football program. I mean, the greatest coach in their, I'm assuming, history of the school, Steve Spurrier. Like he had a lot of success, but he didn't really win. Like he didn't. I don't even know if he played in a national championship game. I don't think he did. I don't think he had very many SEC championship appearances. Um, it's just, this is an interesting hire though. I do actually think it's a good hire and this is not the first time, um, Shane Bieber, Shane Beamer will be, he's returning to South Carolina. He actually coached there under Steve Spurrier in 2007 as an assistant coach Mm -hmm. and his job title was technically recruiting coordinator. And, and I, you know, I did some research. It's pretty interesting. So the classes under Shane, I guess that, you know, he Spurrier is the main recruiter, but all the recruiting classes since Shane was there were all in the top 25. His okay. best class was 2000. His best class was 2009, which ranked 12th nationally. That's inc- that's great. And he helped recruit guys like Alshon Jeffrey, stud, Stephon Gilmore, stud, and also Marshawn Lattimore, stud. So he, I think this is a good hire because he's familiar with the program. He's familiar with the recruiting battleground areas, and he's just a young coach that's been around the game his entire life, whether it's been coaching with his father, who's an absolute legend or coaching with guys like Steve Spurrier. Um, he was with a couple other coaches. Uh, I believe he was at Georgia for a year under Kirby smart. He's been around the game for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I do think he knows what he's talking about. And I do think it's a good hire because he knows the recruiting battleground areas very well because he's had success. So this is a really tough job to be successful at. Um, but I think it's a decent hire. Yeah, see, I agree with you. He's definitely got his work cut out for him, but see, the fact that he already knows the recruiting lines I think is massive. 
But I also kind of like the fact, you know, too, that he comes from Oklahoma. You kind of bring in a guy who's going to bring, you know, we really don't see an offense like Oklahoma has trying to be run in the Big 12, I mean the um, SEC, and bringing that Big 12 style of football over can definitely work out. I mean, we've seen South Carolina especially pump out these top guys in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, if they can actually get something going on that defensive side of the ball as well as the offense, I think they've definitely got – Got a little something going here. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say this guy is going to make them national championship contenders, but I at least think it's a smart, a decent hire, you know, like for all the reasons we've said so far. And I think it kind of adds, you know, a little bit of fun to the program. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does here. I think he can definitely have some success. He's young. I think mm-hmm. that helps in recruiting. You can relate to some of the players. I mean, I forgot to mention you brought up a good point. He's been coaching at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. And I think he was, is like a tight ends coach. Or maybe he was at a Georgia, so. No, he's, he's um, a tight ends and assistant head coach. Okay, okay, so that's what it is. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see kind of what he does for the rest of the staff. I think that's going to be more important than just your head coaching hire. Um, I don't know if Beamer has called plays ever, so I don't know if he's going to get an offensive coordinator to call plays, but it'll be interesting. We'll see how he can do. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm in all agreement with you. We'll see there what happens. It's gonna be fun to see what happens for South Carolina. You know, SEC is always better when South Carolina is good because that means Georgia has to actually play one more real game rather than have the cakewalk in their half of the SEC they usually have for a schedule. Um, another big time topic, is, of course, it has to do with COVID nineteen, but actually Ohio State and Michigan's game is canceled on this upcoming Saturday. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if Harbaugh told the team, you know what, we (laughs) suck this season, go out, party, have fun, let's fail all those COVID tests and ruin Ohio State's season because I believe it was, you have to play, what, six games in order to be eligible to go to the Big 12, yeah, to go to the uh, Big 10 championship. That's what their commissioner said at the start of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. He said that, and also, too, I mean, I don't know if the college football playoffs can take in a team anymore that played five games over a team that's played ten or nine games, you know? So it's another factor, too, there. I did see, though, that Purdue and Indiana, one of the two teams, I'm not sure which one, had some positive COVID tests, so maybe they can reschedule and do something like that. But, I mean, Ben, first off, do you think this if this game isn't played that their final four chances are ruined? And second off, do you think that um, do you think that they'll be able to find a team for them to reschedule to play against? I think the Big Ten will bend its original rules um, to accommodate Ohio State. Um, to be honest with you, I, I'm honestly going to say I'd be shocked if, if, if they just let this thing sit out. I actually really like what uh, Scott Van Pelt said, and I'm going to read it out. He tweeted this. He said, the only rules the Big Ten has to follow are the ones they made up for the season they initially voted not to play. In other words, they can make up something new today because who cares? They originally said they weren't going to even play football this year. Mm-hmm. So, and then all of a sudden that changed. So, things have already, they've already contradicted themselves before this year even started. They said we're, we're not going to follow the SEC and whoever the other, I think the ACC and the SEC were the first conferences saying they're playing. And the Big Ten was like, no, like if, if COVID 19 is this bad, we're just going to sit out and then they're playing. So, I think they're going to want – they're going to do everything they can to get Ohio State to represent them on the national stage uh, in the Final Four. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Ohio State is a top-four team in the country. I'd love to see if they can figure something out. I mean, they're only playing Big Ten schedule. People – I've been seeing a lot on social media. People want them to play Texas A&M because uh, Ole Miss had some COVID cases to where Texas mm-hmm. A&M's not playing this week. I – don't see that happening as much as them just trying to figure something out within the conference. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, this this rides on the Big Ten commissioner, and I believe he'll go back on his word. I don't think people will care that he lied. Not really a lie, but I don't think people will care that he's going to contradict himself. I think they should accommodate for Ohio State uh, to get them in. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I think they will figure it out. I'm 150% sure that they will accommodate for Ohio State because think about this. These schools are losing so much money right now without having fans in the stands and everything going on and not playing as many games and all that. And You guys know that they're obviously losing money here. If this conference doesn't get Ohio State in the Final Four, think about how much more money the conference is going to lose. It only makes more sense for it. To be honest with you, I think what they're going to end up doing is they're going to switch the schedule around to get Ohio State an opponent that they can play this week and get somebody else an opponent. I mean, shoot, they could go to one of these teams that has – you know, like one or two wins and be like, sorry, you guys aren't playing this week. You're all the other team playing Ohio State. You know, I feel like they'll do something or other like that. Or they may just straight up bend the rule in general. I don't think it makes – I thought it would be fun, like I was texting you earlier, if Texas A&M or somebody stepped up and played them. But honestly, if you're Texas A&M, why would you step up and play them? I mean, you've basically already beat – you lost the only big game on your schedule. You won all the other games. I mean, that's another potential chance for you to lose. Yeah, you win it, you're probably 100% in, but – why not just sit idle, let whatever happens happen, and then try to get in? I think Cincinnati missing these games as well is going to end up hurting them in the long run for them. I mean, not that they had any chance, but pretty much I think ruined any chance they would have had. So I'm gonna, I agree with you. I think one way or another they're going to find a way to get Ohio State in this conference championship game, whether it's shuffling the schedule or whether it's just saying we're throwing the rule out of the way. Justin Fields, who's the Ohio State quarterback, is also a pretty big reason why the Big Ten's even playing football. Um, I believe he was like the, a very vocal leader and talking to Big Ten administration, Big Ten officials, mm-hmm. um, for them to saddle on up and get and let these kids play. So, uh, you know, I, I do think they'll play. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there, Ben. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I expect we'll probably find something out at some point in the day tomorrow. Um, let's flip things, though, back over to the NFL. You know, we had a lot of big storylines come out of yesterday's games. Um I want to go ahead and start off, honestly, y'all. Actually, you know what? It only makes more sense to start off with this one. Ben, did the Steelers' letdown performance against the Washington football team change your opinion of them yesterday? It, it did a little bit. Um, I, yeah. If people want to go back and, and listen to our uh, our podcast. They should. Um, the episode before, they should. I, I was saying, listen, in the power rankings, like the Steelers have been my number one team this entire year. And I, I know that a record doesn't tell the whole story, especially when you kind of look at the teams they've beaten. Um, but if you're undefeated, if you go undefeated in a season, in an entire season, you don't lose a single game. That means you won the Super Bowl. So if you're undefeated, you're going to be number one in my power rankings. But that doesn't mean I think they're the best team. I just think power rankings are you're the best team to that date. So. I've always thought the Chiefs are better than the Steelers as a football team, but until the Steelers lost, they were going to be number one. And listen, this team, I know that James Conner didn't play, um, but this team really struggles to run the football. And I don't know if they can just sling it around and have this, this success that they think they can have moving forward. I don't really think that's a recipe for them to win the AFC um, and win the Super Bowl. I really don't. I mean, I think Big Ben is capable of doing it, but – I just don't see them. They're gonna. They need more balance. And I think Bud Dupree. Um, I've every time we talk about the Steelers, I have mentioned T.J. Watt, who should unanimous. He should win defensive player of the year, and he should get every single vote. That dude is unbelievable. Over Aaron but, Donald. 
Yeah, dude, TJ Watt's like number one or number two in like every defensive category right now. Go look at JJ Watt's Twitter. He tweeted the stats out. JJ Watt's like number one in every, or TJ Watt's like number one in everything. Um, I think without his counterpart in Bud Dupree, I think it he can get double teamed a little bit more. I mean, the Steelers still have a really good defense, especially the secondary. It's good, but I don't know if this offense without the balance. I mean, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to run the football. I know that James Conner was out; he's the starting running back. But if they can't run the football, they're they're not going to have any balance, and it's not going to be a recipe for uh, success for them. Yeah, after seeing the stats you laid out, I think you're probably right. Um, I'll give it to you on that one just because that not only does he lead him in all the stats, but also, too, I mean, his team has a better record as well, so I really can't come up with much of an argument for Aaron Donald. Um, but anyway, um, it let's put it this way. I wouldn't necessarily say it changed my opinion on the Steelers just because I've had the Steelers as the third best team in the AFC pretty much since we established the Ravens were frauds. Um, I think the Steelers have some deficiencies and some problems that got exposed. I think the Bud Dupree loss definitely played a role in the loss. Like I 100% agree with you on that, but I think they're not being able to run the football really hurts them because you know, when they have those quick little three and outs and no time comes off the clock, when they throw three incomplete passes, that's just more time. Their defense has to be out there on the field. All the best teams in the NFL can all run the football. They cannot run the football. Um, That, to me, is a huge kind of, you know, red flag, the fact they can't run the football, and that has been been one of the big problems. But also, too, you know, Big Ben hasn't looked as good as the season's gone on. And, I mean, their receivers, too, have been dropping a lot of passes. There's been lots of balls the last two weeks. And, look, it was a terrible scheduling spot for the Steelers. But, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a good thing that they lost. Like, I think that the Steelers team is – I think injuries and stuff are starting to catch up to them. I think had this game been played, I think, like, let's put it this way. If it was a 10-game season, I think the Steelers probably would have been the second-best team in the AFC, but now I've got them back at third, and that segues us perfectly into the next team I want to talk about, and that is the Sleeping Giant. I won't even say they were the Sleeping Giant, but I would say that they weren't getting the hype, and they were just kind of, you know, floating through the cracks, and that is the Buffalo Bills. After watching what you saw last night, Ben, do you think that my take on the Buffalo Bills being the second-best team in the AFC and losing to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game is going to happen? Oh. Is Josh Allen ready to take the next step in the playoffs is really the only question we need to figure out. He is 100% a good, very good quarterback. I mean, he's he's got the numbers. He's got the wins in the regular season. We're just going to have to see it in the playoffs. And – you know, this is a team that you and I, we, we talk about their defense a lot more than we talk about their offense. And it's the fact that their defense is improving, but is it good enough is going to be the question. I actually think it is from what I've seen in the recent weeks. I, But with them, though, I don't know if they can run the football. I, I don't think you can rely on Moss and, and um, uh, Singletary, is that his name? Yeah, Devin Singletary. And I get that their running game gets help from Josh Allen. You know, he's got a couple of quarterback runs in there. But when you get in the playoffs, I mean, you either can sling it on everyone, which is what the Chiefs are going to do because the Chiefs don't necessarily run the football very well. They don't have to because they have Mahomes, like, God at quarterback. <laughs> it's just can Josh, can Josh Allen do it with the lack of running game? I don't think the Bills' running game is going to give them much when they play against good teams in the playoffs. So do I think they can get to the AFC Championship game? Yes. I don't know if this team's ready to make that step just yet. I, I don't think they have enough balance on offense. 
Okay, so the Bills running has actually gotten better the last couple weeks, which I think has been massive for them. I mean, even last last night, like Singletary only ran the ball 61 yards, but he's gotten better game after game running the ball. But look, I think this team is like, you know, they're kind of – They got to hold on to the ball too. Oh, Ross yeah. Has had some fumbles. Singletary's had some fumbles. I mean mm-hmm. – Yeah, they had some bad fumbles last night. For sure, but I think their running game has gotten better. But honestly, their defense is where they've gotten better. They finally got Milano back, and it showed big time last night. They looked a lot better in coverage and against the run. Shadavius White's back in there healthy. I mean, Cole Beasley had a hell of a game last night. I think this Bills team has gotten better as the season's come on, come on and kept going. And I mean, look, their only three losses were at Tennessee, which was a weirdly scheduled game. That was one that they didn't even know if it would be played or not. Then they played Kansas City on Monday, which was a game that was rescheduled. It was supposed to be on Thursday. So, I mean, basically those two games were to two are to two for sure playoff teams. And, I mean, one of them being the best team in the NFL, the other one being the game that they didn't even know was going to be played until five hours before the game actually started. And then at Arizona on, an, on a Hail Mary that was kind of BS at the end of the game. I think Buffalo hasn't been getting the credit they deserve all season longer. Defense has gotten better game after game after game. I think this is a team that has come together finally, and I think this Bills team is surging at the right time. I mean, you could say, how can you say a team that's surging at the right time after they won their first four games out the gate? I mean, all those reasons I said, I mean, look, they've been beaten. They've beaten everybody they should beat. They played well. I mean, we got the matchup this weekend against Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football. That's going to be a hell of a game right there. I think this Bills team has come together at the right time playing their best football, and Josh Allen even looks like he's getting better game after game after game. You see those throws he was making on the run last night? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's – I like him a lot. I know you love him. Um, we we talked about their defense, like, like I said, more than their offense, the fact that they just haven't really been healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I saw – I'm sure everyone saw it, but the stat that Josh Allen in his career does not have an interception in the red zone is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I know that he he does run the football a decent amount in the red zone, but I mean that that doesn't matter. He's I think he showed before last night's game he had like twenty two or twenty three rushing touchdowns yep. in the red zone in his career and like thirty three passing touchdowns or thirty one. So that's as good as it gets. You can't you absolutely cannot turn the football over in the red zone when you get into the playoffs. That's no one does that better than Josh Allen if he doesn't even have a interception. Um, I can't imagine he has that many fumbles in the red zone. So. The Bills team is really good. Uh, I think they're well coached. Their defense is getting healthy. I just, I think they're going to need to run the football. I think they're going to continue to run the football a little bit better. Um, I think, and like I said, Josh Allen absolutely helps with that. Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100%. I think Pittsburgh is kind of, due to injuries and everything, is starting to trend downwards. Buffalo's, you know, they kind of had that rough spot, but it looks like they're starting to figure it out and trend upwards. But Kansas City's Pittsburgh, still the Pittsburgh should be healthy. Uh, the guys that just had to miss these these past two weeks because of COVID, they should be healthy by the time they play the Bills. So I think winner of that kind of gets regains that number two spot in the AFC. But, I mean, there's a gap. There's a gap between Kansas City. No, absolutely. Kansas City's got a gap between the rest of the league, no doubt about that one. Um, ben, there's one conference that I can't make any damn sense of what's going on there now, and that is – actually, I'd say there's two conferences, and we'll talk about them back-to-back right here. The NFC East, I mean, what the hell is going on there? I mean, first off, who had the more surprising win between the two of them? And second off, who's winning this division? The most surprising win's got to be the Giants because they're playing a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I know that Washington is technically playing a backup quarterback, but I feel like if Alex Smith was healthy to start the year, he probably would have been starting over He's Allen easily Hopkins the best anyway. Quarterback room too. Yeah. Um, well, not even close, yeah. Um, so I got to go with the Giants. I mean, I know that the 
Seattle Seahawks are, we kind of like to label them as some frauds, especially with Russell Wilson, the way that he's been playing recently. Yeah. Um, I think since like week nine, he's got the most turnovers in the league or something, or week week eight or nine, he's got the most turnovers in the league. He's been a turnover machine recently. Ever since he um, trademarked Let Russ Cook. Yeah, he ain't cooking. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I mean... I, the, the most surprising win is the Giants, but the Giants are playing great football. I think they've won four in a row, if I'm not mistaken now. Uh, I think both these teams, meaning the Washington football team and the Giants, do have good defenses um, that really don't get talked about enough. People love to mention just the front four for Washington, but their entire defense showed out against oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. but their secondary played great. Um, who do I have more confidence in to win the division? Who, do you know who's got the easier schedule? Oh, I'll pull those that, up. That I have we, not looked at because that's that's definitely an interesting discussion for uh, for this because oh, it's definitely not the Giants. No way it's the Giants. They play Arizona, Cleveland, then at Baltimore. There's no way it's them. Um, let me look up Washington's real quick. Yeah, I'm going to Washington right now. Um, Washington's got San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina, Philly. So I'm going to take Washington to win this division just based on I think their defense is good. I think their defense is rolling right now. I love the swagger that Chase Young's playing with. I love the fact that he's been on social media hyping up his team, hyping up the fan base. I think that's great. Um, uh, Allen, Jonathan Allen, and Payne got a couple of pass deflections. They were all over Big Ben yesterday. They weren't necessarily sacking him, but they uh, had a couple of pass deflections. I, I'm going to take Ben because they got the easier schedule. Yeah, especially with a banged up Daniel Jones. And I mean, Colt McCoy threw for 105 yards in that game. If you had told me going in the game that Colt McCoy was going to throw for 105 yards, I would have said, said, oh, Seattle wins this game 35 to zero or like 35 to three, you know? And that is the exact opposite of what ended up going down in that game. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go with Washington as well for all the reasons he said. I really don't think either of these offenses have that much of a difference in each other. Alex Smith is way more experienced. Daniel Jones at times has been a turnover machine. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. I mean, he you really need his wheels in there. Clearly, Colt McCoy is not going to get the job done for you. I mean, Seattle is one of the worst defenses in the league, and the fact he only threw for 105 yards kind of scares me. But, I mean, Gallman did run for 139, which is big, too, that they're getting that run – defense get, or that run offense going but I think you hit the nail on the head it's all about the defense think about if they didn't have to kick DeAndre Baker off the team how much better this defense would even be with him in there I mean they Leonard, Williams, key... Leonard Williams has been an absolute animal this season hey same thing with uh Blake Martinez too coming over from the Packers I feel like he's not talked about enough there was one other guy Bradbury in the secondary has been a top three corner mm-hmm and honestly, I didn't even realize it till uh, one of my buddies who's a huge Giants fan, we were like doing our uh, one-day fan duel lineup, and I was picking the number one wide receiver for whoever the Giants were playing in primetime, and he was like, bro, Bradbury's locked down. I was like, no, he's not. I watched Julio gash him. Then I looked at the numbers, and I was like, wait, what a sec? Wait a sec. That was Bradbury on the Panthers. He's a whole new man on the Giants. That's what I'm saying, and I mean, it just goes to show you how much scheme and everything means something. But also, too, I like the experience of Ron Rivera. I want to go ahead and say this, Joe Judge, I apologize for making fun of you when you got hired as the head coach here. I thought it was the worst hire ever. I was like, who the hell even is Joe Judge? Joe Judge has done a great job with this team. He could not win another game this season, but the fact that they started out the way they did and he's got them to play the way they have lately, I think says what kind of coach he is. And, I mean, he got in a fight with his offensive line coach and kicked him off the team. The team's even been doing better. Joe Judge is doing a hell of a job with this team. He's got everybody bought in. I think, honestly, it's the fact that he's a special teams coach. I was reading a little something about it. 
Um, so special teams coaches, think about they're used to handling both offensive and defensive players since you have both on there. So he's built to handle this entire team. So, I and he's a, he's a Nick Saban and a Bill Belichick product. Yeah, exactly. See, Joe Judge has learned under some of the best, and he's putting it all to use. So shout out to Joe Judge on that. But I'm in agreement with you, man. I'm going Washington football team to win this division. I think and Alex I, Smith, Ron Rivera, and that line is just going to get it done. I think Joe Judge and I think Ron Rivera could be considerations to be coach of the year. Um, Absolutely. One, with Joe Judge, the turnaround he's been able to have. If they win the division, I really think he has a very good chance to win coach of the year. Also, Ron Rivera, just on a personal note, what, what he's had to go through this year, um. Yeah, he had cancer early in the year. He was. He never missed a game. He coached every single game through the treatments. I believe even one game he had to get treatment at halftime. I think that's absolutely incredible. And also, Alex Smith will be uh, comeback player of the year, which should be a pretty easy selection. Uh, just kind of what that team's had to go through. I think it's incredible that they're um, that they have the chance to uh, win the division. Yeah. Sorry, I was overreacting to a horrible call in this. Uh... Kansas Creighton game I've got on the background right now. Um, but no, Jalen Hurts is of, starting now too. What? Jalen Hurts is now going to be the starting quarterback in Philly. Yeah, that's hey, you took the words out of my mouth right there, Ben. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I I think one, it is a stupid decision to start Hurts over Wentz just because of the way Wentz is going to hit your cap in the future. But two, also. I don't even necessarily think it's Carson Wentz's fault. I mean, Philadelphia clearly can't draft wide receivers. I've seen their fans. I don't know how, but I follow a bunch of their fans and just like people who like to tweet about them a lot, just bashing how awful the front office has done drafting wide receivers. I mean, this team did nothing to help out Carson Wentz. How are you going to go in the second round and draft a quarterback that's going to come in and compete with you when you have no freaking weapons around you and not use a second-round pick to come in and get you help at those positions? I mean, Jalen Hurts, yeah, he looks good. But they were getting blown out. He was doing it against against a defense that's playing cover three that's letting you pass the ball. They're just not trying to get beat deep and let you run the clock. I mean, I think Carson Wentz could have done the exact same thing Jalen Hurts did in there at the end of the game. There's nothing special about any of that. I think the Eagles front office, and who I can't think of their GM's name off the top of my head, but I think he should 150% be fired once the season's over. He's doing an absolutely horrible job with this team and everything. I'm not going to sit here and defend Carson Wentz, but I don't think they put him in the best situation for him to succeed. I don't necessarily think this is his fault. I could see him going other places and playing a lot better. I kind of disagree. Okay. And I'll say why. Um, I agree with you on, like, he doesn't really have very many healthy weapons. For a lot of this year, his number one receiver was, um, what's his name? He used to be the Houston quarterback. Greg Ward. Greg Ward was their number one receiver most of this year. Yeah. Um, Ertz has been in and out, so I agree with you that his weapons. I mean, they drafted a they drafted with their first pick. They drafted a receiver out of TCU. He just hasn't been healthy, so mm-hmm. they did draft some help. I mean, they drafted a receiver to pair him with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, so that's a good enough receiving core right there. When you add Ertz, they're just not healthy. I don't think that's necessarily the GM's fault. I I think Carson Wentz is atrocious. Um, I I agree with you that maybe it's not all to blame on him, but he's atrocious. I mean, he sits in the pocket way too long for a quarterback that actually has the ability to run. I don't think Jalen will do that. I think Carson Wentz does not ever throw the ball away. I think if you looked up on a stat of quarterbacks who throw the ball away, he's got to be <laughs> last. He just literally pats the ball and just sits there and gets killed. And there's a guy with injury problems, so I'm going to put some of the blame on him. I'm also going to put some of the blame on Doug Peterson. Um, I think this is a classic case of 
I think they're pretty similar to the Falcons, and except the fact that the Eagles actually won the Super Bowl, the Falcons didn't. Yeah. But after the Super Bowl, both teams overpaid their quarterback. Matt Ryan got a massive deal. And Matt Ryan's great. I love Matt Ryan. But it, it hasn't been a great deal because the Falcons have been terrible ever since. I've um, been Matt Ryan till the day I die, but that's an argument oh, for, for another sure. podcast. For sure. But Carson Wentz is now, he got a massive deal. I believe he's the fourth highest paid quarterback in the league. He sucks. He just got benched. Both teams lost their offensive coordinators. The Falcons lost Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles, I know that Doug Peterson did call plays, but their offensive coordinator was Frank Reich, who is now the head coach at Indy, who is now looking like they're going to make the playoffs. He's been a good head coach in Indy. So there's another similarity there. And both teams, after the Super Bowl run, were have been injury-prone ever since. I mean, the Falcons, their defense literally can't stay healthy for more than two weeks. The Eagles' offense can't stay healthy. They're, they're, the Eagles are hurt everywhere. So it's not all Carson Wentz, but I do think he's, he's terrible right now. Um, it's not worth cutting him because you have to pay him that much money. But their division is so bad that even they can still win their division right now. You have to play the player that you think gives you the best chance to play. And week by week, you watch the Eagles play, and the answer is not Carson Wentz. So I, I do think it's worth giving Jalen Hurts a try. He can't do any worse than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. I really think he is. I mean, he's better than Drew Locke. Congratulations. But he's so bad this year. So I think you give Hurts the chance. And I think Wentz starts again next year because you're paying him way too much to sit on the bench. But it, it, a whole lot of blame to go around in Philly. A whole lot. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. There's many people you can blame Philly, and I think you hit the nail on the head as well, saying the coaching thing, comparing it to Atlanta. It actually just makes me sick to even think about what happened in Atlanta, and the fact that Matt LaFleur was on that staff too just you know, makes it even worse. Um, you know, Ben, the other team that was the recipient of this NFC East this last weekend was the Seattle Seahawks and their NFC West, which has been a complete – I mean, I feel like every single week we've tried to figure out what's going on here, and so – now the Rams are in first place. I mean, Ben, do you think that Rams can close out and win this division here, or do you think that we need to uh, rethink this one again? No, I think the Rams can close it out. I think they will close it out because I think they're the best team in the division. They're by far the most balanced team in the division. Seattle is very, very one-sided. They can't play any defense, and now it looks like their offense isn't even great because Russ can't stop turning the ball over. DK Metcalf literally drops a pass or two every single week, it seems like. Um, Arizona is they've lost three in a row I mean they're, I'm, I'm giving up on Arizona um, and San Fran sitting at five and seven I, I just don't think they're going to come back from that the Rams are by far the most balanced team I think their play calling is outstanding with Sean McVay um, I think he puts Goff in situations that he knows Goff can be successful in their defense has been pretty uh, actually it's been very good this year the Rams have one of the I believe they have one of the better defenses in the NFL they get a good pass rush uh, every week, starting with Aaron Donald. You got Jalen Ramsey, who's going to always cover the number one receiver. They're another team that I need to see them run the football. I need to see them be able to run the football a little bit better. But I do think this is a Rams team that can win a couple games in the playoffs. Um, we've seen Goff have the, you know, he's got the ability to take them. He took them to a Super Bowl. I know that he doesn't have the exact same offense, but. They have two outstanding receivers in Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods. I think they use Higby, their tight end, very, very well. They do a lot of misdirection. Mm-hmm. I think I think Jared Goff, I mean, they're going to rely on him to take them as far as they can, but it really stems from the play calling from Sean McVay, and I know that you love that man. 
Oh, yeah. I think it all comes down to two things. Sean McVay and that defense. You know, this is a defense I thought when I saw Corey Littleton walk out the door. I was like, wow, this defense is not going to be good for a year or two. But I was like, at least they have kind of the two centerpieces of their defense locked down, which is Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, we even saw Michael Brockers, who almost walked out the door. Then all of a sudden, Brockers ends up getting a new contract and sticking around. And I really think that's the big difference. Because the fact that you have the two guys who pressure up the middle and they brought in Leonard Floyd, old Georgia boy from the Bears. Oh, him and Donald have been an unbelievable just tandem, man. Not to, I mean, I feel like Brockers doesn't get enough credit for what he does on this defense, but this defense is absolutely stacked, and they kind of go with that five-two-two-four uh, look, which is a completely different look, but it seems to work for them. And I think you hit the nail on the head, man. This is the best coach team in the entire division. Sean McVay is going to be able to outcoach. Um, is going to outcoach. Um, yeah, Pete Carroll and um, I don't know, Cliff Kingsbury any day of the week. I mean, the Cardinals, I feel like that Kyler Murray's injury, it's one of those injuries that like we all can see is happening with our eye. The Cardinals don't want to admit to it. They're not going to put him on the injury report. But when the season's over, Kyler Murray's going to have shoulder surgery. I feel like it's one of those things. And then Seattle, to be honest with you, I think they've always had these problems. But I think they had an easy schedule out the gate, which they literally did have the easiest schedule in the NFL there for a while. And also, too, I think the fact that they don't have crowd and crowd noise there is hurting them the most of any team in the league. I mean, there's so many times that just, like, if the craziness of that crowd, the Giants don't go in there and win that game, I don't think. I don't think there's any way that happens with the crowd. Without the crowd, y'all saw exactly what happens. I think that all those things are kind of building on the Seahawks, and I feel like they're feeling pressure now, and they're trending down a lot, too. I mean... I just feel like that McVay has figured out ways to get past Goff's deficiencies. To be honest with you, I only see two teams winning the a- the NFC in general, and that's the Green Bay Packers or the Rams. I mean, I ultimately I think it's gonna be tough to win with Goff's deficiency, but every single team in this in this entire conference's deficiencies. I think after seeing what we saw this Sunday, I just don't see any way Seattle's gonna win the is gonna win the conference. Um, I feel like it's come down to those two teams. I still am not ready to. Um, hold out on the Saints. Um, they, I mean, they've had success. I mean, they, they sh- they've gotten kind of screwed in the playoffs these past couple years. I mean, I know that we're Atlanta fans. We don't. We'd love to see them getting screwed, but I mean, that Rams playoff game. I mean, they they sh- could have gone to the Super Bowl these past two years. I mean, but you know, Taysom Hill since he's been playing, they've had a pretty easy schedule. They've had Atlanta twice and Denver. Um, he might have played against San Francisco as well. I believe Breeze got hurt in that game or but anyway, yeah, they, he came they in play that the game. Eagles this week. Yeah, so they play the Eagles uh in Philly. Taysom Hill can win that game. Then they play I think what are gonna be three interesting matchups if Breeze is not back by then. It's gonna be Kansas City. You might as well check that as a loss, I think. Minnesota and at Carolina to finish the year. I think those are going to be interesting games to really see if Taysom Hill can beat mm-hmm. some of these better teams. Um, but I'm not ready to count out the Saints just yet. I, as much as we don't like the Saints, uh, I think Sean Payton is a tremendous coach. Um, I think he put the Saints offense in very – I think he's very similar to McVay. I think their quarterbacks are not going to necessarily win them games, but their coaches put their quarterbacks in successful positions. And, I mean, the Saints do have a lot of firepower. I mean, Michael Thomas is one of the better receivers in the league. Alvin Kamara is one of the best playmakers in the league. Uh, the Saints' defense, I don't I don't think, really gets talked about a, a lot. I mean, they're very capable of making plays, even though the Falcons kind of threw all over them this past week. But um, they, they, I believe Chauncey Gardner had a couple of penalties. Lattimore had a couple of penalties, but not going to be too worried about that. So I think they're still in the running to win the NFC. Um, but... 
I I love Green Bay. I think Green Bay's defense. There, I I've been talking about how Green Bay needed a pass rush all year, and one of the Smith guys, whoever the better one is, is has been stepping up recently. And Zedarius, um, thank you. And uh, like we t- we just talked about that the Rams are pretty balanced. So here's what I think about the playoff picture, though. I mean, obviously the Chiefs are by far the best team in the league, but the AFC playoff picture is going to be a lot harder to win the AFC than the NFC. And I think some of these teams might beat each other up a little bit. I mean, this is a weird year. I mean, obviously Kansas City is better than everyone they're going to face, but there's teams that can beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs have not been, like, unstoppable all year. I mean, they've played in some close games. I mean, just this past week, didn't didn't the Chiefs – wasn't the uh, – actually, no, it wasn't this past week, I don't believe. Actually, no, these past three yeah, weeks – Denver? No, past four weeks have all been close. All their, all their past four games have all been close, so – I mean, you know, but I feel like they're kind of bored I, with the regular season. You know, we kind of saw the same thing happen last year where they just kind of. I mean, sure, but you still have to come out and play. And the fact that these teams are in the playoffs, I mean, things get a little tighter. In a close game, maybe Mahomes makes a mistake. Maybe they fumble. Like, I mean, their defense is not good. So they're all they're one dimensional. I mean, teams should be able to score on the Chiefs if you have a good offense. Uh, uh, I think we've seen that in these past couple of weeks. Teams are easily getting into the 30s on them. So I, I just think anything can happen in the playoffs. I think, I think you know, we'll talk about this as the playoffs get closer and closer, but a Super Bowl value team, I think you'll have better value picking an NFC team to win the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, there's definitely better value taking anyone besides Kansas City. Kind of with what you said on the Saints, Ben, I'm not trying to be a Saints hater here. I simply think there's no way the Saints can win. I feel like in the playoffs, these get this gimmicky offense, we see it happen every single time. It gets figured out one way or another. It's always that team that has the pass rush off the edge. I just see the Rams coming in there they absolutely. Have, they should have beaten the Rams. That was a pass interference call. Even no, you yeah. admit that. No, that one they should have won. That was the one where I will say they should have won. And, I mean, the Minnesota prayer also was kind of – you know, yeah, CBS. I mean that's a fluke play. Mm-hmm. But like la- the last two years, or since that Rams one though, I really feel like though that they've clearly been you know kind of out coached and they've just been you know Breeze is too old now. I mean that was when Breeze though had a, was a little bit younger, could still throw down the field a little bit more. Like I feel like somebody's gonna come in with a pass rush, specifically the Rams, and be able to one either either just just throw Taysom Hill on the ground or two just you know rush Breeze and not be able to throw all those little short throws like he likes to do, but. Well, if Taysom Hill plays, then I want to make it clear that I don't think the Saints have much of a chance come playoff time. But mm-hmm. I know that Breeze is old, but Breeze is much better than Taysom Hill. No, I see. I agree with you on that one, too. I really don't think at this point in time there's much of a difference between the two of them. But the, I mean, Saints, the Saints are undefeated. I think they're 10-0 and 0 without Drew Breeze since the past two seasons. Yeah, they are. Bridgewater I think that tells a lot. I think that tells a lot for what Sean Payton can do. I really do. Hey, I agree with you on there on everything. Anything else before we get up out of here, Ben? That's about it. That's about it. Love talking sports with you, my man. Hey, it's always a pleasure doing it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be getting in here a lot more, guys, soon. I mean, we're gonna have finally some more some better storylines in college football. It's been a pretty boring season because just with how the schedules got changed up and everything. Um, obviously, we'll have our weekend podcast. We're gonna have NFL playoffs coming up soon. NBA, college basketball getting in full swings here soon but once again ben appreciate the good word yeah man i'll talk to you friday when we do our podcast sounds good and we'll see y'all again soon